welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 55, WCW New Japan Super Show number one. Starcade 91 in Tokyo, where two countries clash. The Super Show was better known as Starcade in Tokyo Dome in Japan. And it yeah, was they have really cool, like, Starcade 91, like, silver, like, jackets. I know. Inaugural event co-promoted by the New Japan Pro Wrestling and WCW. It took place on March 21st, 1991 at the Tokyo Dome, or Egg Dome, as they, they like to call it back then. Yeah. In Tokyo, Japan. But the show wouldn't be shown on pay-per-view to American audiences until April. So this technically takes place before WrestleMania. Exactly. But I went by pay-per-view show date. Yeah, yeah. I mean, them different companies doesn't really matter. Close enough. Three-day exactly. difference. And the attendance for the show was 64,500. Yeah, I don't... Can we add up the last, like, 12 WCW shows and have they hit this number? I think you could probably add up every WCW show we've watched. Uh, I mean, Maybe. They've had a couple of Yeah, yeah, that's true. Shows. That's true. Yeah, I don't know what the Tokyo Dome holds, but this at this point in time... In like 2019, 2020, uh, getting 40,000 people there for New Japan's biggest big event, show, yeah, show for Wrestle year. Kingdom is like you know, is think, that's what they, that's like their their target is that. So like this is beating that by by 24,000 people. Yeah, so exactly. like my God, good for you, New Japan and WCW. <laughs> no shit, like. Whew. So things that were happening around the time of the pay per view, Comedy Central was launched on April 1st of that month. What did, what was their first uh, the shows? Were they just showing like stand-up? I think so. I think that's what they... I mean, back in the day, did. cable would... Like, early cable aired just about anything to get their hands on. Pretty much. I mean, right now, that's they're doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> any, favorite, any favorite Comedy Central shows that you've ever had? Really big. This is probably not very surprising, but I'm a very big fan of Strangers with Candy. <laughs> That one was an interesting one. <laughs> it's I a definitely say. Uh, I somewhere in a, in a on a shelf over here. I have the Trapper Keeper DVD box set. Whoa. I'm a I'm a fan. Although I, saw, I remember seeing the movie in the theater and it was just like too little, too late. It's like why did you even make this? I saw it, of course, uh, but you know that that show uh, is, is one for me for sure. I know I'm forgetting something from a lot of the times. It was a lot of reruns, but like. I mean, they showed a lot of comedy movies, obviously, yeah, yeah. a lot of stand-up comedy. I can't think of a specific show right offhand other than At Midnight, because I watched that one religiously. I don't think I even know what that is. Um, it was basically like a comedy game show where Chris Hardwick like showed them clips of stuff, and then the comedians would just make jokes uh, okay. about it. Yeah. and Just a place for them to riff. Basically, it that's was cool. basically an improv comedy yeah. show type thing. I mean, so. they used to play all the like a bunch of stand up stuff, but as far as like sh- original television goes, Stranger with Candy all the way. I, I mean, I remember yeah, I <laughs> Reno Nine One One was on that channel. Oh yeah, I never really got way into that. I watched it. I a watched little bit. A, a little bit. I I liked it, but yeah. it, never, it never just like grabbed me. No. It was like I watched. You uh, need to watch me. Think, Amy Schumer show. I loved. Oh, uh, I never watched. I, I mean, did, well, I did look, love. Amy we're Schumer kind of show. burying the lead here. It's like, oh well. 
one of the probably the most consistently good sketch comedy show of all time. Kids in the Hall. Oh, I was gonna say Chappelle show. Well, like I said earlier, I was like, I know there's shows that I'm just like, yeah. I was like, how did I blank Key on Chappelle show? Yeah, the, was on I never watched show. a lot of Key and Peele, but a lot, a lot I've seen a handful of skits, and I liked all the ones that I've seen. But uh, I mean, for me, it's Strangers with Candy. The you know Chappelle show is people are it it, it was a cultural phenomenon, and has changed like you know that's why people say Kobe when they throw fucking. Trash into a trash can. Among other reasons that, you know, he's not with us anymore. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that, but... they He, like, the Chappelle show legitimately, like, brought things, like, into this world that are just normal at this point that nobody even realizes. Yeah, doesn't even think about. Also, the TV program Dinosaurs. Is it, I'm not, not, not the mama? Not the baby? What does it say? I, I'm not the baby or something like that. I don't know. I watched it a little bit when I was a kid. I remember having some Burger King toys. So I guess you would have been, what, six years, seven? Four? Four years old? <laughs> yeah. One of those. It was on TV for a while. I'm sure that, I don't know how many seasons it did. I think it did three seasons. Yeah. I do remember a Burger King toys where it had a little, like, what do you call it? It had a little thing where you push button. Yeah, and... it was a push button, but it was just like air. But it just shot air through, like, the toy, and then it would do a motion. Ah. But yeah, I mean, I've heard that the show holds up pretty well. I had a friend like a decade ago that was like, oh, like going back and watching it, you know, as an adult is pretty funny. Pa- if you can get past the kind of the cheesiness of the the costumes. Yeah. Then it's yes. pretty, yeah. Like the, I've, the I've heard the writing is actually pretty funny, but uh, I don't know if I have it in me to be a guy that's been like, hey, you know what I've been watching? It was one of Jim Henson's last like pet projects oh, before really? he passed away. I did not know that. Let's go ahead and get to the show. We got a hold of the American pay-per-view Turner Home Entertainment videotape. Yes, this is not on the network, and the whole show is in, is not on New Japan World. So Correct. At that point, we say, free game. Like, that, you know what I mean? Right. You know, whatever. That, like That uh, is correct. Yeah. But the American version shows seven of the 11 matches. Mm-hmm. They're, they're edited down just a bit. Yeah, we're here to, we're here to call it all, though. But we also found the other four matches, along with a few of the others, in Japanese on YouTube. But we did also f- just find, just like right before we started recording. Yeah, I, I looked it up, and if you just Google WCW uh, NJPW Super Show 91, then on Google, the first like you know videos that come up uh-huh. as you scroll down is uh, part one and part two. Links to the the U.S. tape, the U.S. tape uh, on like Daily Motion. So or you really have no excuse not to watch it all. Watch it all and join us in the discussion. But the first thing we see is video footage of the competitors before the logo comes on the screen over shots of the Tokyo Dome. Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone welcome us to the show, running down the card, and we get footage of a press conference. Yeah, and a buffet. They're at a buffet. <laughs> uh, we see the signings of contracts between Flair and Fujinami, uh, between the Steiners and Hase and Suzaki. Flair and Arn go shopping. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a fun YouTube series. I do All love uh, like Arn Anderson in like a black kimono, <laughs> like looking at himself great. in the mirror. But then we head off to our first match of the evening. It's Super Strong Machine and the Blonde Outlaws of Hiro Saito, Tatsutoshi Goto. And Norio Hanaga versus Animal Hamaguchi, Kingo Kimura, 
Asama Kido, and Kentaro Hoshino. You did so much better than I expected, Matt. I was like, should do I need to take the ne- do I need to take the reins? I was curious. That's what I was thinking earlier today, but then I was like, oh no. We'll you started talking, I was like, oh, he's, he's got it. We'll try it out. Yeah. yeah. But this match is only on the YouTube version mm-hmm. of the video, so it was only in Japanese. Just to let you know, Animal Hamaguchi and Kentaro Hoshino are New Japan Hall of Famers. They have a very small Hall of Fame of like 11 people that was run for like three years and then they <laughs> quit doing it. It's just Antonio Inoki, Antonio Inoki. Antonio. <laughs> Pretty much. Which I've always, I, like, we get the fact that Hall of Fames, wrestling Hall of Fames kind of seem silly. Yeah. But when yeah. someone recognizes someone as a Hall of Famer, it, I feel like it's important to... No reason not to. Not to... Yeah. Throw it out there. They, they, they earned it for, mm-hmm. for what they did. So as this match got started, like literally my first note was, gotta admit, I'm not sure who is who, so this will be fun. Yeah, um, I, uh, same. Because it's like, oh, well, I, we both said this to each other. I knew who Super Strong Machine was because he's wearing a mask. Exactly. But, uh, I knew who he was. And then I figured out who Animal Hamaguchi was. Mm-hmm. But as I like got like... 30 seconds in this match, I went, covering this match and not knowing who these people are is going to be difficult. You did the work, man. I'm so impressed. I had to go out there and do some image searching and figured out who, who each person was. So I have the names. I, so we'll uh, be able to cover it a little bit better. That being said, I will say that even if this was a pay-per-view on like a live pay-per-view, mm-hmm. pretty sure this would have been a dark match. Whether it was in Japan or in, in the U.S. I don't know if it was in Japan. It would have been the first match on the... Cause you think so? They, they love their... They love their... Their tags, tags, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess at this point, there's no such thing as a dark match on a pay-per-view. They just call it a pre-show. But, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so the two teams start brawling right away. Super Strong Machine with a back elbow and a body slam on Animal. Goto continues the attack on Animal, slamming him into a turnbuckle and chops. Naga with shots to the gut, an eye rake, another head slam into the turnbuckle. Saito comes in with a double axe handle and a drop kick for a two count. Saito's running the ropes, gets dumped with a belly-to-belly suplex by Animal for a near fall. Kido comes in with several European uppercuts, starts running the ropes, hits a clothesline for a two count. Saito backs Kido into the corner, allowing Super Strong Machine to come in with right hands, a headbutt, snapmare, elbow drop. Goes for the vertical suplex, but Kido reverses into an armbar, but Hanaga breaks it up. Goto on the attack now with a body slam of Kido. The entire team's working him over. Animal runs in to try and break it up, but this allows Hanaga and Saito to crotch Kido on the ring post. No bueno. Goto with a knee to the midsection. Hanaga with clubbing forearms, eye rakes, but Kido is able to push him over to his corner to be able to make a tag. Hoshino tosses Hanaga to the ropes, sidesteps him, and throws him out of the ring. As Hanaga climbs back up on the apron, Hoshino hits multiple drop kicks to knock him back to the floor. Back in the ring, Super Strong Machine takes over the attack with a body slam, a head slam into a turnbuckle, another body slam before missing a second rope falling headbutt as Hoshino moves. Animals in with a body slam, multiple elbow drops. Hoshino comes in to hit a running elbow drop for good measure. 
Animal and Keto with a double team back elbow. Keto with a double leg takedown and rolls Super Strong Machine over into a Boston Crab until Anaga and Saito come in to break it up. Super Strong Machine and his teammates run a train of back elbows, clotheslines on Keto. Strong Machine and Saito with a spike pile driver, and Saito continues with a snap suplex for a two count. Saito then rolls over Keto for a Boston Crab, but Hoshino breaks it up. Goto then runs in to attack Keto, but gets caught in the wrong corner for Kingo to come in, but he's immediately pushed to the other corner by Goto. Goto and Super Strong Machine hit a double team clothesline, and Strong Machine continues with a vertical suplex on Kingo for a near fall. Body slammed by Super Strong Machine, Saito with a top rope knee drop, elbow drop. Saito and Goto toss Kingo to the ropes and go for a double team clothesline, but Kingo holds on and moves out of the way. Hoshino's in with a shoulder block and a forearm on Goto, takes him down with an arm bar, but Hanaga breaks it up. Hanaga slams Hoshino's head into a turnbuckle, picks him up to put him on the top rope, climbs up to try for a superplex, but Hoshino knocks Hanaga off, coming off the top rope with a crossbody for a near fall. Animal reverses an Irish whip, hits a sling blade, and goes for the cover, but Saito breaks it up. Animal has a Naga up in a fireman's carry when Keto comes off the top rope with a double axe handle to the head. Keto with knees, shoulder tackles, kicks, forearm on Hanaga. Super Strong Machine and Kingo both jump in with Kingo trying for a roundhouse kick. But Super Strong Machine catches it, taking him to the mat, hits an Irish whip and follows in with a clothesline. Saito and Goto with a double team Irish whip. Goto charges in with an Irish whipped aided clothesline. But Kingo ducks only to be taken down by a Saito sling blade. Saito with a body slam. Hanaga off the second rope with a senton for a two count. I really liked the senton. <laughs> senton was fun. I don't know if we've really seen a top I rope senton. I think that might have been the first senton we've seen. Yeah, I mean, at least the one, one off of the top rope for sure. It might be the first senton we've seen, yeah. Goto with a running clothesline goes for the back suplex. But Kingo reverses to land on top of Goto for a cover. Strong Machine comes off the top rope with a falling head, but only hitting Goto as Kingo is moved. Animal in to toss Super Strong Machine to the floor. Kingo with a flying knee to Goto hits a powerbomb as everyone else jumps in the ring to brawl for the pin. And the <gasps> no, no Super Strong Machine. Super Strong Machine comes flying in to break it up. It's hard to say Super Strong Strong. I already messed it up and I haven't been talking. Strong Machine tosses Animal to the floor. Goto with a bridging German suplex, but mm. only a two count. I did like that bridging suplex. Goto tries for another suplex on Kingo, but can't lift him. So Super Strong Machine comes in with a clothesline, but Kingo ducks, so Goto, Goto goes, goes down. down. Kingo then makes the cover for the pin and, and no win. win. I apologize because I don't know most of these guys, but like... My eyes glazed over. Like, as you were talking, I was like, I, I remember there was some cool big moves in here, but... It's still an eight-man tag. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's there's some cool shit in here, for sure. Senton, bridging suplex, but, like, there's a lot of other, like, neat stuff in here, but it ultimately doesn't have a lot of weight. Correct. That's it all. Doesn't. That's all. So we're off to our second match of Flying Brian Pillman, Tom Zink, the Z-Man, and Tim Horner versus... Shiro Koshinaka, Kunikia Kobayashi, and Takayuki Izuka. 
That's not the Izuka that like that of the Iron Claw. It is. It is. Why does he look? I feel like that he's he looks shorter here than he does in, <laughs> as he's older. Maybe he but maybe it's, maybe it's just that bald hair and that crazy beard. But I was like, uh, that's that. I, it's got to be Izuka. But I was like, mm, I mean, I'll ask Matt. It is, the, it is the same guy. This match is only on the American version of the video. That's kind of a shame. We got Pillman and Zink and Tim Horner. They needed. They wanted to get three guys on Basically. here. Maybe like have we I even seen? I think Horner's worked some Japanese. Uh, yeah, I'd assume so. Have we even so. seen Tim Horner before? We have seen him. I know. Um, I mean, I knew the name, but I don't. I couldn't put a name to the show. Been, the last time we saw Tim Horner was actually Clash of the Champions 12, which was episode 48. So it's only been a few shows ago. Kuniaki Kobayashi is a New Japan Hall of Famer. And then JR tells us this match is under New Japan rules. So there's a 20 count on the outside. Hell yeah. And you can throw people over the top rope. Oh my god. And every match, other than the main event, will be under these rules. Yes. And as you mentioned... I lived to bury the top rope. Azuki has not gotten his iron glove yet. Azuka. Izuka. They always say Izuka. Izuka? Yeah, it's two eyes. I wasn't quite sure. That, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he definitely has not got his... Uh, I don't know when he gets this... It's prob- cause, probably a good 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely like at least the late 90s, I'd imagine. Yeah. Because uh, he had the tag team with... Izuka? Izuka. Okay. Yeah. Match starts off with Kobayashi with an arm drag of Z-Man, slams his head into the turnbuckle, Irish whip followed in with a back cross body. Yeah, it works. Slam him down to their face, right? It worked. Abstretch is locked on by Kobayashi, but Horner comes in to break it up. Pillman with a flying clothesline goes for a cover, but Izuka makes the save. Koshinika and Kobayashi split the wishbone of Flying Brian, mm. followed by a hip attack. But Pillman fires back with a spitting heel kick. The hip attack were the what butt 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 attack? What is it? Butt attack. I can't remember it. JR makes a uh, reference. He makes about a butt butt. Oh yeah, butt butt. Yeah. The uh, he also JR informs the American audience that the crowd is not bored. In Japan, this is an art form. So they sometimes react uh, at unusual times. I was like, no, they've reacted all the right times for sure. But yeah, they are more quiet because they're Paying attention. Horner comes in with a side suplex. Flying Brian with an axe handle to the arm. Stereo drop kicks from Pillman and Z-Man on Koshinika, which knock him towards his corner. Isaka <laughs> is tossed to the ropes and picked up by Z-Man, where Brian comes flying in with a drop kick into a spine buster. Zink rolls to the apron, where Pillman slingshots him onto Isaka for the cover, but Kobayashi makes the save. Flying Brian sets Izuka up on the top turnbuckle, hits a drop kick descending to the floor, and Pillman comes off the top rope with a crossbody to the outside. Hell yeah. I mean... He's Flying Brian. Yeah, I mean, Pillman and Z-Man, always good together. And they haven't been in a while, because yeah. they've been on their like singles singles deals. Of course, fortunately, that means Z-Man starts shows over in the old US of A, but he's not the worst guy to be in your first match. No, he's definitely not. Back in the ring, Horner with a snap suplex, a back suplex, slams Izuka's head on the turnbuckle. Tim hits a backbreaker, followed by Flying Brian coming off the top rope with an elbow drop for a two count. Z-Man with a missile drop kick and goes for the cover, but Kobayashi breaks up the pin. 
Zink hits a body slam, and Horner comes off the top rope with a reverse crossbody that looks really bad <laughs> for a near fall. Horner with a snapmare, a knee drop on the head of Izuka. Pillman with a reverse thrust kick and a double-team toss into a double-team spinning kick. Z-Man then hits a pile driver, but Izuka grabs the ropes on the pin attempt. Fly and Brian and Izuka get into a chop fest, and Izuka hits multiple drop kicks, but Pillman retaliates with a spinning heel kick. Brian and Horner go for a double-team clothesline, but Izuka ducks, coming back off the ropes to hit a double drop kick. Koshinika comes in with a hip attack on Z-Man, another on Tim. Kobayashi comes in to hit a bridging German suplex on Horner for the pin, and Pillman breaks breaks it up. Everyone's brawling in the ring. Koshinika throws Zink and Brian through the ropes to the floor. Izuka comes off the top with a shotgun drop kick. Hell yeah, I love shotgun. Hitting a bridging dragon suplex for For the the pin, and the win. This is good as hell. The only thing that I wished is that it Tim was Tim Horner wasn't there. Yeah, that it was a there was just a tag instead of a instead of a three man like a, a traditional tag. But you know, it's still not really much to complain about here. No, definitely not. You like suplexes? Watch every single match of this show. Really, exactly. it's like yeah. You know how uh, I said ninety one is the year of of the of the, the atomic, atomic drop, drop in Japan. It's the year of the fucking suplex, and they do them all. That's they right. do all of them, and some you've never seen before. Bridging, <laughs> yes. dragging suplex. Yes. After we've, and this, we've already seen two bridging Germans. We're off to our third match. We got Scott Norton versus the Equalizer. It, Equalizer just looks like if... Um, Near you grew a long hair and a beard <laughs> and got in the ring. I was going to say if Kevin Sullivan, like, you know... Grew four inches and, uh, <laughs> and and stopped eating fast food. <laughs> but yeah. But this match is only on the YouTube version of this mm-hmm. episode. Equalizer's running the ropes, trying to knock Norton down. But oh, Scott Flash Norton, by the way. He's got a little, little nickname in there. It seems says it on his, on his trunks. He's a, he's a big old boy, and obviously he's been in Japan because uh, he's pretty over. Yeah, he I, he does end up in WCW later on because I remember seeing Scott Norton, but I never saw any of his Japanese stuff. Yeah, he's he, a big old boy. Definitely, Eclair's just running the ropes trying to knock Norton down, but then Scott runs the ropes, hitting several shoulder tackles, a clothesline, a big boot, another clothesline, clubbing Clubbing forearms, forearms across the neck, an Irish whip, but charges into a boot. Norton is then taken down with a big boot by the Equalizer, who continues to put the boots to Scott until Norton catches one, taking him down for an elbow drop. But the Equalizer moves. Scott tosses the Equalizer to the ropes, hits a shoulder tackle, elbows to the head, a flying shoulder tackle, a short, short arm clothesline for, for the, the pin, pin, but he no. picks him up. Yeah, he's, he's like, oh, you're the Equalizer, I'm the Equalizer. <laughs> So then Norton hits a terrible-looking power slam for the pin and And the win. win. And all I can say is I feel bad for Scott Norton having to deal with somebody that does not know how to work. Yes. Because I'm sure that Scott Norton can power slam the shit out of just about anybody if that person has any idea how to take a power slam. The Equalizer. I don't know if we ever hear of the Equalizer ever again. I mean, I hope that he had a successful life not... Just not in wrestling. Because this is real bad, and I know it's not Norton's fault. Because you can tell. 
We then see JR and Tony, he, they discuss the upcoming match, telling us about two Japanese legends. So we're off to that fourth match. We have Akira Nogami versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Oh my God. For the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Hell yeah. And Liger comes out in like a crazy like green Power Ranger type garb. I'm so used to the red. It looks great. I mean, I've seen the blue one. I've seen the black one. I've seen the red one. I've even seen that one with like the really weird mask mm-hmm. that's got like 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 slits or whatever. It kind of looks like a like a like a window window shades. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the green one hadn't seen before. Uh, it looks good, but I mean, it is kind of like the coolest costume. But this match only ended up on the American version. Why would they do that? That I didn't understand. That makes no sense. But there is... The YouTube version does have a part two. I just couldn't find it. Oh, okay. So the other matches may be on that part two. Yeah, because all the matches that we needed were in that part one. Exactly. That's a good point. So, Jushin Thunder Liger is a Wrestling Observer newsletter and future WWE Hall of Famer. He just... Oh, yeah. He was supposed to go into the Hall of Fame in WWE... This year. Yeah, when is the, the this year of our Lord 2020? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> when is, do they do it for... He technically would have already been a Hall of Fame by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. The I Hall of Fame yeah. ceremony got moved back to August of 2020. Yeah. yeah. Because they're, of, they're doing it like for SummerSlam or something. Yeah, they're doing okay. it at SummerSlam this year because of all the craziness in the <laughs> yeah. world. So COVID 2020. Akira... Wears a kabuki style mask. He's got like crazy long, long red hair. It looks, red hair. It looks pretty awesome. It does look really cool. Match gets going and Liger blitzes right away with palms to the chest, followed by a spinning heel kick to send Nagami to the outside. Jushin comes off with a top rope with a somersault plancha. <sighs> Come on, man. Liger goes for another plancha, but is drop kicked out of midair. By Akira. Come on, man. And both men have leg injuries. Yes. Back in the ring, Nagami jumps on Jushin's shoulders, but Liger reverses into a pin attempt for a two count. And I believe that nobody's... This is Akira uh, Nogami showing up for the first time in a year after he lost the belt to Liger. Correct. So, like, this is hot shit. Like, this is, like... This is important stuff. Jushin goes for a tombstone pile driver, but the ankle gives out... And Akira jumps on the miscue, attacking it. He stomps the shit out of his leg, yeah. Nogami's going for a figure four, but Liger cradles him for a near fall. Akira, with multiple drop kicks, goes to the top rope, misses the splash as Jushin steps out of the way. A couple of Liger, Liger bombs. bombs. Jushin then goes for a pile driver, but Nogami blocks, so Liger hits a clothesline. Jushin then sets Akira on the top rope, hitting an avalanche, avalanche DDT. DDT. For the pin, and, and the win. win. So, the version we got is only about four minutes long. It felt really quick. I, Since I was taking notes, I probably this missed is, the edit. This is when I realized that some of these matches this, were edited down. Yeah, I wonder. I'd like, to see, like, I'd like to watch this whole match because I was like, why is this so short? Because this is really good. And then I was like, why would this end so quickly? That doesn't feel very... Uh, so I believe uh, the match, Japanese wrestling to me. The match was 16 minutes long. And we saw like four. And we saw four minutes of it. Oh, man. I mean, a lot of that other 12 minutes was probably the 
legwork. I don't care. The legwork. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm upset because I want to see it. I wanted to see more of it too. Yeah, believe me. Because like, yeah, the the leg thing. It seemed like it was really soon to be selling the leg like that, and I was like, weird. And now it all makes sense. Yeah. But I was like, they should. There should be more time here. But I didn't catch the edit while I was watching it because I was probably taking four minutes. I was taking notes. Are awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's a great match. It's good shit. If you never watched Juice and Thunder Lager, yeah. this isn't the ba- this isn't the worst match to have as your first one to ever see him. In. No, not at all. I mean, his first match on uh, the first match opening Nitro is him and Pillman. That's right. Inside of the Mall of America, for Christ's sake, and it rules. I mean, you can watch his last match on January fifth, twenty twenty, and still go. Why is this guy retiring right now? This is fucking Juice and Thunder Lager. Mm -hmm. He's lucky that he's... It's great to see somebody that's like, oh, I'm done now, and not just like become a husk of themselves. Like, Granted, he's older, but like when he needs to go, he can go. Exactly. Or he could go all the way to the end. So we're headed off to our fifth match. The Horsemen of Arn Anderson and Barry Windham versus Masa Saito and Masahiro Chono. And this one is actually available on both versions. I think the Japanese version doesn't edit as much. So you oh, okay. get to see a little bit more of the match. Yeah. I watched the U.S. version. I will say that the the U.S. version that I had had, was, had better video quality. It for did. Sure. It had the, you know, the uh, U.S. Um, commentary, which American commentary, which doesn't English commentary, which doesn't really, I mean, I don't care either way. Because it's Tony Schiavone and Jr. What are they going to say that's funny or particularly enlightening? The no, funny things they're going to say are going to be probably pretty stupid. Probably, but we cut. We watched the American version because so we could understand the commentary. Yeah. Also, that way, you know, we can uh, poke fun at Jr. and Tony every exactly. chance we get. But Masahiro Chono is a Wrestling Observer newsletter Hall of Famer. We've already seen Saito, so... We have seen... So we saw we, Saito we, we know, in Starcade. We, we know he's a... Like, literally yeah. the last WCW mm-hmm. show we watched. Yeah. I love that um, JR describes Masa Saito as basically a Rick... The, a Japanese Rick Steiner. Because it's, you know... That's... Yeah, I was like, oh, I that's... That. I just buried JR, and here I am saying, oh, you know what? That's pretty good for people that haven't seen him wrestle before. Why not? Eh, our listeners know we bury <laughs> JR all the time. <laughs> Uh, he buries himself every time he shows up on TV at this point. They do tell us that this is Arn's first time in Japan. Oh, maybe I, that's I don't, I don't know if that's truth or kayfabe. I, I'm not sure. I didn't look it up. But I did have this question. Mm-hmm. What was this haircut and mustache decision by Wyndham? Because it did not look good. What is he? He has like blonde hair. Bleach blonde hair uh-huh. and then the regular like... Or brown mustache. Brown mustache. Uh-huh. It does not look good. Yeah. It's like he just smeared, smeared a Snickers across his lips. <laughs> Match gets going, and Barry takes Chono to his corner early on, delivering a cheap shot and a snapmare. But Masahiro reverses into a hammerlock to take Wyndham to his corner. Saito and Anderson both with shoulder blocks, with no one gaining an advantage. Masa takes double A down, but Arn kicks him off. And Wyndham comes in with a top rope axe handle, a body slam, and goes for a jumping elbow drop. But Saito moves. Chono and Barry going toe-to-toe with right hands until Wyndham hits a Saito suplex and a hip toss, but Masahiro reverses it into a head scissors. And JR, and JR makes a big deal about that suplex because oh, yeah. that's something that Saito always does, mm-hmm. and he had Wyndham 
doing, doing it to himself. Yeah. Doing it to them. Also, Jr. talks a little bit about tape trading, which I thought was kind of funny. I know. I was like, huh. All right. Cool. How do you think we got this video, Jr. <laughs> Jumping DDT by Barry Onchono. Anderson with the body slam goes to the top, but Masahiro is up to press slam him off, followed by a top rope flying shoulder tackle to take Arn down. Chono going for the STF, but Wyndham makes the save, but he gets a drop kick descending to the floor, followed by a tope suicido by Masahiro. Double A is locked into an ab stretch by Chono, but again Barry breaks it up. Wyndham with a vertical suplex of Masahiro slams his head into the turnbuckle, and Arn locks on an ab stretch, but the horsemen use leverage, grabbing hold of each other's hand, but the ref is right on top of it. Double A tosses Chono to the ropes, ducks his head, allowing Masahiro to kick him and make the tag, but Anderson just continues the attack on Saito. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of funny. Normally it doesn't go that way. Masa showing his strong style by firing up with rights and lefts. Yes. Saito suplex on Arn. Saito suplex on Wyndham. Double A's back to his feet and goes for a body slam, but Masa floats over, and Barry comes off the ropes to hit a clothesline on Saito. So Anderson makes the cover for the pin. And, and the win. Post-match, Chono hits an Insiguri on Barry to help clear the ring. Yeah, and this is good, but it never really reached the heights of tag drama, but that's probably because it edited down. It probably was edited down, so, I mean... Sure, it was edited down some. Yeah. I felt like this may be the worst I've ever seen Arn in a match. He, I mean, this is not... He just It just didn't feel like he connected with what was happening in the match. Yeah, he probably... I mean... First time yeah, in Japan, also, many people. Yeah, also, yeah, I mean, it's a lot. But, you know, he probably hasn't tagged with these people before. And sometimes some people don't mesh no matter how... That's true. No matter how good they are. JR and Tony then talk about the concession stand food. It's yes. not your, your typical hot dog. They got sushi, egg rolls, and sake to go. Yeah. I like they, they even show like the menu. We then, on the YouTube version, we get Antonio Inoki making a speech to the crowd. Yeah, which is edited out, which is weird. I mean, it's not that weird because they probably don't want to translate it. And since neither of us speaks Japanese, and the video we watched didn't have English subtitles... Not real sure all what he said, but all of a sudden after this speech, a guy from the outside joins him in the ring, and he takes a Noki down with a body slam, some stomps, a senton. Oh, I didn't watch. Goes this for part. another body slam. Oh my god! But a Noki floats over and locks on an octopus hold before turning it into a suplex of some sort. More guys coming in from the outside. I'm assuming it's the young lions. I hit pause and I just skip through this. I'm excited. But Anoki lays them out as well. It felt like maybe it was a workout to show that Anoki's ready. Still got to, it. Still got it and ready to go. I, I wasn't quite sure. Because after all that, Anoki takes the mic back and leads the crowd in a chant. Yeah, so they don't say who they... You didn't find out who the guy was? I right? couldn't figure out who... Did it look like a wrestler? I mean, it did look like a wrestler. Yeah. But like I said, I, I it didn't seem like it was like... You know, heel coming in to yeah, him. yeah. It wasn't like setting up an angle or anything. It was. It felt almost like it was a workout type thing. It was, I yeah didn't get it. Hmm. But we'll head back to our American version of the tape. Yep. Oh, so Jr. Uh, lets us know that the food might be different, but in Japan, brewski, still brewski, still brewski. I'm, I can't imagine going to like the Tokyo Dome in '91 and be like, "Hey, can I get a brewski and a 
salmon roll. You know, you know JR and Tony aren't drinking those strong zeros. <laughs> no, of course not. We're too busy ordering Bud Lights in the Tokyo Dome. It's like, no, Asahi, you know Sapporo. Guys. Oh, you think so? <laughs> Man. At least JR is. Is he really? I don't know. Oh, okay. But we're off to our sixth match of Big Cat versus El Gigante. And this match is only on the American version. It is a match. So, so far, the best reaction for any of the WCW guys has actually been for El Gigante. Because he's huge. And I guess they just assume that because he's huge, he's good. Maybe it's the Baba love. Maybe it's the Andre love. Maybe it's because in Japan... On average, they're shorter than in other countries, but and then in some other countries. But at the very least, El Gigante is, you know, like what seven seven or some shit like that. And Jr. and Tony make some comments about the uh, ring announcer wearing the kimono, and they're like, "I wonder if we can get Gary Michael Capetta to wear a kimono <laughs> at Super Brawl next month." Yeah, they let us know that El Gigante doesn't drink, and they they had to explain that when they were doing press conferences and stuff that he wasn't being disrespectful, but he just doesn't, doesn't drink. drink. Which is probably not very common for a wrestler. The ref in this match is Bill Alfonso. I know. Who we better known probably as Rob Van Dam's manager uh, in ECW. Yeah. He refed in ECW too, didn't he? Yeah. He okay. Did. Yeah. Think this is the first time we've seen him, right? I believe so. Because it's like I would have remembered, recognized Bill Alfonso because uh, you can't get that whistle out of your head no. after watching even the smallest amount of ECW. So Alfonso's checking Gigante's boots and tights and the two measure hands to show how big Gigante is. Yeah. Give the crowd a little pop. Gigante's bouncing around as the two men lock up only for Big Cat to be thrown down. Body slammed by Gigante. The cat retaliates with an eye rake. Right hands, but nothing is phasing Gigante. The big man fires back with clubbing forearms across the back. Hits a vertical suplex. Hits a jumping kick and locks on the claw. For, for the, the pin, pin and, and the, the win. win. And I know I've said it to you off mic, but Gigante is like happier than like a pig in shit. It's like a three-year-old's birthday party. Like he is pumped at just the amount of people that are there and the reaction that he's getting. And it's makes me feel real good inside, even though that this match was useless. Absolutely I mean, useless. maybe it sold some tickets because they were pumped for him. I mean, I was Maybe always just, a big cat fan. But were you? I mean, no. come on. This is what, our second, third big cat match? I think it's our third. Third, yeah. It's with the State Patrol last time we saw him. Okay, and before that it was him, Dog, and JYD. No, no, that, was the, that was the State Patrol? That was the State okay. Patrol match. I don't remember. That tells you where he's at on the old WCW card. Uh, yeah, they just fed him to El Gigante. So we're headed off to our seventh match. We get the Steiner brothers of Rick and Scott Steiner versus Hiroshi Hase and Kazuke Sasaki for the WCW World and IWGP Tag Team Championships. Double. It's uh, Kensuke. Kensuke. I think so. No, it's Kensuke. Kensuke, sorry. You you nailed Hiroshi Hase. Thank you. This match is actually on both versions, and I believe the full version of the match is on both versions. Uh, Hase and Sasaki are Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famers, as they should be. Mm-hmm. So the Steiners, last time we saw them, 
were the WCW United States champion. But they had also defeated the Freebirds for the world title six days prior to Wrestle War when the Freebirds had won them. If you remember that whole yeah, Freebirds yeah, yeah. It's losing, like, oh, it wasn't on TV, losing the belts before blah, blah, they blah, actually yeah. won them. So at this point, the Steiners hold all the tag team belts in WCW. Both belts. Both, both of them. Both of them. And they're now challenging for the IWGP Tag Team Championship as well. Just so you know. Just so you know. So the match gets going. Scott takes Hase down and tries to lock in a Texas Cloverleaf. But Hiroshi rolls over to get close enough to get the ropes to break it up. Belly-to-belly suplex by Scott goes for a body slam. But Hase floats over and attempts an O'Connor roll. But Steiner holds onto the ropes and comes off with a clothesline, which Hiroshi ducks. So Hase comes off the ropes, hitting a back kick and a clothesline to take Scott to the floor. Suzaki running the ropes, Rick with the leapfrog, goes for a second one, but Kazuke catches him, delivering a power slam, a bulldog, and a clothesline that almost takes Steiner's head off. My God. Scott in with a pump handle slam on Hase, mm. sets Hiroshi on the top rope, coming off with, with a, a super hug. Olympic slam. What's that? The angle slam. Oh, uh, okay. I gotcha. Rick picks up Hase in a gut wrench suplex, but sits him on his shoulder and runs him face first into the turnbuckle, followed by a Steiner line. Scott with a belly-to-belly suplex, a DDT. Rick sets Hiroshi on the top rope and hits a super belly-to-belly suplex, an elbow drop, and oh goes God. for the cover, but Suzaki makes the save. Like... I don't think we've watched a match that's just power move after power move after power move, right? No. It's suplex, clothesline, different suplex, bulldog, clothesline, two suplexes in a row. Super belly to belly. Super Olympic slam. Uh, it's like... Gut wrench. Come on. It's... Welcome to Suplex City, guys. The Steiners work together uh, to hit a population clothesline. Population four. Scott with a tiger driver for the pin, but again, Kazuke makes a save. Hase's tossed to the ropes. Both Steiners duck their heads, allowing Hiroshi to kick Scott and a Uranagi on Rick. Scott tr- comes back to try a Steiner line, but Hase ducks and hits a Uranagi on him as well to make it to his corner for the hot tag. Sasaki with drop kicks to both Steiners. Power slam on Rick. Goes for the cover. But Scott makes a save. Was that when he did the sp- uh, split drop kick? Or were they normal drop kicks? That was the split. Okay, I love that. Just saying. Where you know you do the drop kick on both the guys, but you one leg for each for each guy. Yeah. yeah. I just love that spot. Kenzuke with a running power slam. Hase has climbed to the top rope where Suzaki vertical suplexes him right onto Rick. <laughs> it's like what a what a hell of a fucking special. Hiroshi then with a northern light suplex, while Scott just stands over in his corner like he knew Rick was going to kick out. Yeah. Even though JR tells us that no one kicks out of a northern Northern light suplex. suplex. That one was a little too telegraphed, but whatever. Hase goes for a clothesline, but Rick ducks when Hiroshi comes back off the crowd, allowing Hase to make the tag. Suzaki's tossed the ropes, but Scott ducks his head, allowing himself to be DDT'd. Kazuke picks Scott up into the electric chair while Hase goes to the top rope. When Rick comes in to kick Suzaki, allowing Scott to try for a cradle, 
but it doesn't, doesn't hang, hang on. on. Rick then press slams Hiroshi off the top rope. Scott picks Kazuki up into the electric chair when Rick comes off the top rope for the bulldog. Scott then tosses Suzuki to the ropes, hits the Frankensteiner for the pin, and the win. And new! Post-match, the Steiners would receive large trophies along with, along with the belts. Yeah. And the Steiners would become the first Americans to win the IWGP Tag Team Belts and the first team to hold all three titles at the same time. But not the only team to do that? I don't know about the last one. They might be the only one to ever be <laughs> I just think that's kind of crazy. Yeah, just saying. Because uh, I know that, you know, WCW has a relationship with New Japan for a very, very long time. They do. Dave Meltzer would name this match Match of the Year for 1991. Well, so that means we don't have to watch any more Even though he didn't even give it five stars. Really? It was four and a half... And there was like three or four other five-star matches this year. Really? Which I thought was... Is that just because of, like, psychology? I no clue. I mean, I would probably knock it down at least a quarter star just for that one camera shot where Scott's standing over in the corner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like, noticed that shit. I was like, that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, this is... But the rest of the match? This You can put this up next to, like, any tag match today and it still fucking rules it does and it rules just as hard or harder than anything today tomorrow or yesterday i would show this to somebody that's not into wrestling anyone yeah i would show it to anyone Uh i'd be like hey "Hey, mom watch this this, (laughs) yeah if you don't like this then you're just not gonna like wrestling no no it's uh like i said suplex city population four (laughs) like yeah it's it's crazy it's very very good Let's let's just say it's it's on the short list for easy for our next easy for our best matches of. But my only note after the last match, after the Steiner Brothers match, was uh, "This is wrestling." In quotations, this I was like, "This is wrestling." wrestling. Yeah, I was like, "It's like, oh, that's all I can say about this that match." Is yeah, exactly. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was like, "Oh, that's the only note I had after that match was this is wrestling." That's it's good. Really that's a that, yeah, really yeah. That's. I would have been okay with a "This is awesome" chant during yeah. that match mm-hmm. because it was fucking awesome. <laughs> it was. It was. It was all of the above. So we're headed off to our eighth match: Doom of Ron Simmons and Butchery versus Big Van Vader and Crusher Bam Bam Bigelow. This match is only on our YouTube version, which I feel like is kind of weird because everybody knows who all four of these guys are in I, the United States. I thought the same thing. Granted, I know that Bam Bam and Vader have been partying in Japan for quite a while, but still. No clue. But we haven't seen Bam Bam since Capital Combat, which was episode 45. You know, the best show we ever watched, Capital Combat. Return of RoboCop. Real close to the best show. (laughs) Irony. Yeah, I hope you can hear that I'm being facetious. So Ron Simmons takes the mic and says they signed this match months ago and is ready to fight, and hope his partner feels the same way. It's like, that's a weird thing to say. Is it? Yeah. Because at the last show, <laughs> I know. Doom broke up. I know. And that's why it's weird that Doom's here now. But, you know, we'll see some stuff. Some things will happen. Exactly. There's a reason why this might only be on the Japanese version. Be- that's probably <laughs> yeah. the reason why, right? Yeah, there. exactly. So Reed and Vader start off by pounding away on each other until a clothesline by Vader takes Butch down. 
A short arm clothesline, Irish whip by Vader, but Reed charges out of the corner with a clothesline and a body slam. Simmons is tossed to the ropes by Vader and ducks a clothesline, turns to hit right hands and a spine buster, and goes for a pin, but Bam Bam makes the save. Bigelow's end to pound on the back of Raw and goes for a big boot, but Simmons catches his foot, which allows Bam Bam to hit an Insiguri. Reed comes into the ring to receive a drop kick from Bigelow, who turns his attention back towards Simmons to finally hit a vertical suplex. Bam Bam with an Irish whip of Raw and charges in with a splash, and Vader's in with a splash as well. Falling headbutt by Bigelow, Vader with clothesline and a body slam, Bam Bam off the top rope with a headbutt, but Simmons moves. That's a rough headbutt. <laughs> Ron goes for a shoulder tackle to no avail. And Butch comes in and they attempt a double clothesline, but Bigelow ducks and comes off the rope with a double clothesline of his own. You gotta be a big boy to drop doom. Bam Bam's running the ropes when Reed pulls the top rope down to send Bigelow over to the floor. Simmons with a body slam on the floor before rolling Bam Bam back in. Doom then hits double back elbows. Butch goes for a snapmare when Bigelow reverses into a snap suplex, but Reed regains control with an eye rake. Reed with a swinging neckbreaker, Ron with clubbing forearms, a body slam, falling headbutt, but Bam Bam moves. Butch back in to stop the tag and starts choking Bigelow with the top rope. Tosses him but ducks his head, allowing Bam Bam to kick him. Simmons comes in with an elbow drop, goes for a body slam, but Bigelow cradles him for a near fall. Ron's firing back with right hands, goes for a cover, but Vader breaks it up with an elbow drop. Reed with the body slam of Bam Bam goes to the second rope, coming off with an elbow drop for a two count. Simmons continues the attack right with... With the right hands. A drop kick, tosses Bigelow to the ropes, drops down to the mat, but Bam Bam quits running and drops a headbutt on the back of Ron. Bigelow with a snap suplex, Vader with a clothesline on Ron, multiple short arm clotheslines on Butch, goes for another clothesline, but Reed ducks, retaliating with right hands and a flying shoulder tackle for a near fall. Simmons with a power slam of Vader. Doom hits a double team vertical suplex and Ron goes after Bam Bam who back body drops him out of the ring. Simmons then drags Bigelow out of the ring by his boots. Reed climbs to the top rope to go for a flying shoulder tackle but Vader ducks, hits the Vader splash in the middle of the ring for the the pin and and the win. win. Post-match, we see Simmons and Butch commiserating. When Ron turns to leave, Butch hits him from behind, and they brawl until Reed has fallen out of the ring. Now they're breaking up in Japan. They got back together just to break up again. All around the world, Doom is no more. I know. Kind of a bummer. Uh, Honestly, this match is not bad, but it should not have been after the other match. Oh, after the Steiner Brothers match? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah, but I I mean, these are big boys doing big boy stuff. Correct. So it's 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 a fun watch, but how are you going to do a tag match after Suplex City? I was the biggest surprise on this match was that just how much Vader sold for yeah for Doom. Yeah, which, I mean to do you got yeah. I mean you if you don't, to. how are you not going to sell for Butch Reed and Ron Simmons? Like it's those true. guys are gigantic and they're not even fat. <laughs> like not only are they gigantic, they have like you know zero body fat. They are just big buff guys. So we're headed off to our ninth match. We got Riki Choshu versus Tiger Jeet Singh in a no DQ, no ref, no No count count out match 
for the Greatest 18 Club Championship. I didn't catch all that. The Greatest 18 Club, is that like uh, never open weight? So the Greatest 18 Club Championship was established as a way of honoring the Hall of Fame that was conceived of at that time. So this is a Hall of Fame that was even before... The New Japan Hall of Fame, but there could only be eighteen. So once the, the you, well, if you were if you were number nineteen, then one of them got kicked out. That I don't know yeah. exactly, because there was names such as Luthez, Carl Gotch, Andre the Giant, Stan Hansen, Hiro Matsuda, Vern Gagne, Hulk Hogan, Antonio Inoki, mm-hmm. and Tiger Jeet Singh was actually a part of it, but then was replaced. By Dusty Rhodes. Oh, okay. So maybe it was you had to be the greatest 18. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. That's fun. It's a fun idea. Not real sure exactly. Yeah. Tiger Jeet Singh is basically like a tiny Abdul with a butcher. I was going to say a younger version of Sheik. Well, yeah, yeah. But except for Sheik did some wrestling. Well, yeah. <laughs> and true. like that's that's why I said Abdullah because Abdullah doesn't do wrestling. That's true. <laughs> okay, I see where you're saying. Yeah, that's, that, yeah. But I mean, yeah, total. I mean... Gimmick-wise, chic for sure. Gotcha. This match is only on the Japanese YouTube version. Totally understandable. I can't see this airing in the United States. No, definitely not. This is pretty brutal for even NWA standards. Yeah. Choshu is a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer. Singh would come in through the crowd, kind of like what John Moxley does nowadays. Or, well, I guess he doesn't come through the crowd. He just terrorizes them. He Minoru terrorizes Suzuki. people. Yeah. He's throwing guardrails. Minoru Suzuki is yeah, another yeah. good current day. He's got, uh, you know, like a, a gold robe on, and he's got like a sword. It's a fencing sword. A fencing sword, and he's just like swinging it around, and he, like it's pretty violent looking, even though it's... It is what it is, but it's like he's really now people are running for their lives. When he's <laughs> yeah, he's like them. legitimately just like throwing chairs, and it's great. And he was followed by a masked man, which by the end I figured out was super strong machine. So they must yeah, have yeah, I know, I, I I caught that too. The, the purple mask. It's like oh, they're you know heel boys. There was a young lion at ringside that you may have recognized. I did not recognize him, but who was it? He's one of the dads now in New oh. Japan. Is it? Tenzon? It was Tenzon. Pre, Pre-Tenzon mask? I guess he doesn't wear the mask he now. He doesn't wear the mask now. Yeah, but, like, you know, this is before before he wore the mask. Exactly. Later. So when they finally get around ringside, Choshu comes out to start attacking Singh, but Tiger starts choking out Riki. Finally in the ring, Singh still has the sword in his hand, using it as a weapon on top of Choshu's head. And Tiger then starts untying the turnbuckle pads. I think he gets three of them. I don't know if he gets all four. I only thought he got two. Oh, I, yeah. Either way, he gets two or three, buddy. But he it's the Japanese uh, turnbuckles, so, you know, it's just like one pad one that goes pad in. But he's untying the, the top, and then he's, like, pushing it out of the way so yeah. the turnbuckle will be exposed. He's not taking it completely off. Sings them biting at Riki's face, choking him with a rope, and Choshu is busted open. Tiger stays on the offensive with punches, kicks, slamming Riki's head into multiple turnbuckles. Choshu starts firing back, slamming Singh's head on the turnbuckle and a kick descending to the outside. Is this kind of like closest thing? I mean, this is a little bit more wild, but the, like the funk flare brawl. This is probably the closest thing we've seen to that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a little bit more kind of brutal. Yeah. High energy. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. I mean, it's not the most amount of blood we've seen in WCW or NWA or JCP, but you know. 
Ricky follows out, slamming Tiger's head against me- multiple ring posts, grabs the sword from ringside, and starts using it as a weapon, and one more time into the ring post for good measure. And yeah, when he uses the sword, it's just the hilt. He just keeps slamming them in the head yeah. with the hilt, because it's like the hilt's like that typical, like, you know, Solid hand, hand cover. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a Halloween prop, but... <laughs> Definitely looks. <laughs> Back in the ring, Choshu charges into a foreign object-aided right hand by Singh, and Tiger goes after the cut on Riki's head with that object as well. Choshu muscles the foreign object away and uses it on a clothesline to take Singh down and bust him open. It was weird. I was like, is that just like Abdullah fork type thing? I couldn't tell hard to tell. Yeah. But I mean, it was like, it was basically like the size of a pen or something. I did like how Choshu like held his, held his hand down onto the mat and like pried it from him. Multiple low blow stomps by Riki to the crowd's approval, but Tiger retaliates with a low blow of his own and returns to biting. Several insiguris by Choshu clothesline to the back, and the announcer starts counting. He makes it to ten, and the, and the bell, bell rings. rings. That's when I found out that it was a last man standing match. <laughs> That's exactly what <laughs> I found out as well. Yeah, I was like, okay, it makes more sense considering what I just watched. I kind of wish I would have known, but... It was, I, didn't, I didn't even know about the no ref, no DQ, yeah. no count out until afterwards yeah. when I was looking on something else for some information. And I didn't know that it was else. for a title of any kind. Because neither one of them's where the title literally just came into effect, so I think yeah. they didn't have the belt yet, basically. It was all very uh, haphazard. Not understanding. It didn't help that we didn't, didn't understand, understand Japanese, Japanese yeah. as well. But, uh, yeah, this was, by any means, not boring. <laughs> Can't no. call it that. No. I also don't know if you can call it uh, a traditional rule. I mean, it's wrestling is two guys fighting and somebody wins, so you can't call not call this wrestling. But there's not a whole lot of wrestling moves done here. So, actually, I was wrong. Uh-huh. This was actually the first match for this belt. Oh, okay. So, technically, Riki Choshu... And, and new and first and, and first. first. <laughs> I was like, where we? Where, what are you setting me up for here? <laughs> Greatest eighteen club champion. My God, great! Such a long name. May probably sounds better in Japanese. <laughs> probably, probably does. The but, Tiger Jeet Singh does not look like an athlete at all. He's, he looks like an Iranian dad. Yeah, well, he just got he's his. Like or Indian um, dad. There's there's guys there's guys with bellies uh, in singlets and it normally like hides the belly and this it's it looks like a simpsons character but like belly wise it's just like a straight like it's very funny he does not look to be in any more shape like he's like in 10 percent, maybe eight percent better shape than i am <laughs> it's pretty i was like okay so post-match choshu locks on an arm bar and the young lions come in to break it all up and that's the end of the youtube version yeah. So we get video highlights from the matches on that before it cuts away. Yeah, I imagine that. I think that it was aired on television in two, over two nights. Probably. So I think that's what the deal was for Japan Japanese version. So then we're off to our tenth match, Great Muda versus Sting, and obviously it's only on the American version. So wow. Muda yeah. attacks before the bell. Muda attacks before the bell. Hits a handspring back elbow after an Irish whip. Tony then brings up all the people around the ring with the Steiners, Brian Pillman on one side, oh, yeah. Masahiro Chemo. Everybody's there on to the watch other. this. I mean, like, this is this is a 
this is a solid feud. And we have already gotten some mists, correct? Before the bell? Yes, Muda did Just spray out there. Green, green mist before the match. Muda then with a backbreaker goes to the top rope for the moonsault. Just tries the moonsault immediately. But Sting moves. Which we all know to be his finisher. But Muda lands on his feet and goes for a spinning heel kick, which the Stinger no-sells. But an insiguri surprises him to send Sting to the floor. Hell yeah, dude. What a start. Muda over the top rope with a plancha, spits some red mist, and rolls the Stinger back into the ring. Muda goes to the top rope, coming off with a double axe handle, but Sting catches him with a boot, hits a military press, dumping him over the top rope to the floor, followed by a running Pescado by the Stinger. Which I don't know if we've seen Sting do some, some reckless shit like that. I think we've like seen a, it a couple a, times. But. Maybe it just feels better in a 64 person or 64,000 people arena and feels better that it's against Muda. And JR reminds us that over the top rope is okay in this match, but not in the next one. You know what I just realized? Where's Lex? He was actually scheduled to fight Ricky Choshu. Oh, okay. But the language in his WCW contract said that he could turn he did not have to go to Japan to fight. Oh, so he was just like, "Oh, I'm just not going to go. I'm just going to chill. I don't have okay. to go over there." Oh, whatever. He didn't want to he did I mean, I like Lex Luger, but was he going to do a brutal match like that? Or I guess it would have had a different kind of it match. It would have had a different style yeah, match. That's true. But... That's true. Muda's running the ropes, sting with a leapfrog and then monkey flips Muda. Muda regains control with an eye rake before tossing the stinger to the ropes and misses a roundhouse kick. Sting comes back with a kick to the midsection, followed by a face plant that forces Muda to roll out of the ring. The Stinger follows out, rubber band slams Muda across the guardrail, rams his head against the turnbuckle while on the apron multiple times. One more time, once back in the ring, and goes for the scorpion deathlock, but Muda makes it to the ropes. Muda's up with a spinning heel kick, a snapmare, spinning elbow drop for a near fall. Muda with an elbow to the forehead and flips off someone at ringside. That measured uh, elbow that he does to the forehead is yeah. really nice. I just, I just really like that. Also, like the little spinning elbow thing that he did on the mat. But yeah, I just, it was, it added some intensity. Muda then Irish whips Sting for another handspring back elbow, but the Stinger moves, goes for a Stinger splash. But Muda moves. Muda's with a backbreaker, goes up for the moonsault, but Sting gets his knees up. <sighs> it's pretty, pretty great sequence. Sting goes for another military press, but can't quite get him up, so Muda falls on top of him for a two count. Another backbreaker from Muda. Will the third try be good? Sting <laughs> in with a drop kick to crotch Muda. Sting then comes off to hit a super belly-to-belly suplex for a two count. Sting's off the top rope with an elbow drop but muda has moved and both men hit clotheslines they then both hit drop kicks for a double ko muda tries for a hip toss but sting blocks and reverses into a backslide pin attempt for a near fall stinger picks muda up for a body slam but is cradled for a two count sting locks on the scorpion death lock once again but again muda makes it to the ropes Muda's rolling out to the floor. Sting slams his head on the guardrail before rolling him back in. Sting with the Irish whip and follows in with a spinger splat. Muda spits green mist. It's so, so perfectly timed. Muda's off the top rope with the crossbody for the pin. And, and the win. win. Uh. 
Post-match, Pillman and Steiner jump in the ring to check on Sting. But the Stinger gets up, grabs Muda, hits the Stinger splash, and locks on a Scorpion Deathlock until the Young Lions can pull him off. Man. Is that man. all you have to say? Man. After that match? It's like, uh, man. The, uh, it's really funny and really a shame that when they start this match, JR talks about how... Muda spent a whole year in the U.S. and uh, only got pinned two or three times, which all happened in one night yeah. when you buried him. And like, and this is proof of what kind of wonderful things you could have done in your home country and the amount of money you could have drew with this guy. Because this match, if done upright, should have sold out any of the like arenas that potentially would have normally been booked by. If they don't anyway. destroy Muda. They could have brought him back as a challenger for Sting, and Sting could have had Sting and Muda could have had they could have had the, 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 that Steamboat Flair trilogy with their matches. <laughs> no, they could have had this match six times, three in each country. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it was yeah. It's uh, gotta watch it. Gotta watch it. Skip Big Cat. Skip Norton. Watch this twice. <laughs> watch the Steiners five times. Yeah. So we're off to our eleventh match of Tatsumi Fujinami versus Ric Flair for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Double title for title, baby. And once again, this version, this match is only on the American version that we've found. Yeah. We last saw Fujinami at AWA Super Clash 3 in a suit and tie. So we didn't wrestle. Oh, okay, yeah. But he showed up. And that was episode 23, one of our favorites. Go and check it out if you haven't listened to it. So, I totally forgot to mention this two weeks ago when at Wrestle War because it was, you know, the world title wasn't on the line because we had war games. But after Starcade, when we saw Flair as Black Scorpion oh, God. lose the title match to you... Sting, yeah, Sting still had the NWA title at that time. But WCW decided to start naming all of the belts the WCW title. They basically switched everything from to NWA w- yeah, yeah. to WCW. It's all Turner now, baby. But they only did so after Flair, as himself, beat Sting for the NWA title at a house show in New Jersey. <laughs> so Flair was officially the first WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Okay. So this is not for the WCW champion. It's for the NWA. This is for ten pounds World of gold heavyweight championship. <laughs> okay. We'll talk more about that later. All right. Well, that's not spotch there. Through Stone Flair comes out. Today. No, I think it. I, I for a second I thought it was like a Star Wars theme because it sounds vaguely familiar. It's it's not Star Wars. I didn't recognize it. So no, I, I didn't either. But it, like for a second there, it kind of had a, a build or vibe where I was like, is this like. Star Wars, or like, yeah, right. or like trying to rip it off, or what? I can't believe they didn't use Spot. I was like, why wouldn't you play Spot? Makes know. no sense. I don't get it. The national anthems of both countries are played once everyone's in the ring. Yep. And the two men shake hands to get us started. Oh, don't forget that uh, Flair came out with plenty of swimsuit ladies. As always. Yeah. JR keeps bringing up the rules and officiating differences between the two companies. And what is it here? Because I found it kind of confusing. They're doing the 20... Is it 10, 10 count or 20 count on the outside? 
Because they're like doing a I mix of the two thought, rules. Yeah, they're doing a mix of the two rules. I think it was the 20 count, but... The top rope still counts or something like that? The top rope still counts. I think that's it. Possibly. <sighs> I didn't... I don't remember. Fuck the top rope. But we'll find out what happens. Slower tempo to start us off with headlock, shoulder tackles by both men, until Fujinami hits a back suplex and attempts the dragon sleeper, but Nature Boy makes it to the ropes. Chop fest between the two, a hip toss and a drop kick by Tatsumi, sending Flair to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, Fujinami running the rope. Nature Boy goes for a hip toss, but Tatsumi reverses into one of his own. Fujinami with a back body drop, but Flair comes right back with a back suplex. Natch tosses Tatsumi to the ropes and misses a back elbow. And Fujinami comes back with a clothesline, but Flair has moved out of the way. Tatsumi with a hip toss goes for a drop kick, but Nature Boy has backed away to not be hit. Flair starts working on the leg, hitting a shin breaker, draping it over the ropes, and dropping all of his weight across the leg. You gotta soften it up for that fig, that fig four. A snapmare goes for a running knee drop, but Fujinami moves his head in time. Tatsumi with a drop toe hold locks on a scorpion deathlock, but lets it go to continue to work on the leg of Flair. You let that go. Tries for a camel clutch, but Natch escapes, sending Fujinami to the ropes, missing a back elbow and receiving a clothesline on Tatsumi's way back. Inverted atomic drop by the Nature Boy, a snapmare goes to the top rope, but Fujinami meets him there to be press slammed off. But Flair worms his way to the apron, getting Tatsumi to on the top rope. Natch drags Fujinami out to the floor, slamming his head on the guardrail and Tatsumi falls over it outside the rails. Fujinami finally makes his way back to the apron, Flair with another guillotine across the top rope multiple times. Tatsumi makes his way back in, and they begin a chop fest. Nature Boy fires back with an elbow to the head, but an Irish whip is reversed, and Fujinami hits a back body drop. Swinging neckbreaker by Natch, running knee drop, butterfly suplex for a two count. These guys are really just, like, meeting each other. Like, it's pretty 50 50 and they're all getting good shit in on each other we get a stalling vertical suplex to show off that strength by flair elbow drop running knee drop for more two counts more chops between the two men natch with an eye rake a snapmare he goes to the top again but this time tatsumi is able to press slam him off fujinami with the irish whip to get the flare flip landing on the apron so tatsumi with a drop kick to send Nature Boy to the Flare. Yeah, he didn't even, didn't even let him run across. Didn't even get there. Fujinami slams Flare's head across the guardrail multiple times, which busts him open, and rolls him back in to continue the attack with mounted punches, and we get the Flare flop. Oh, the flop, the angle on the flop's real good. It's uh, it's a long a long walk before that flop. Like, he literally walks <laughs> almost all the way across the ring. Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, we've seen a lot of flops, but this is, uh, this is a good flop. Tatsumi tosses Natch to the ropes and goes for a big boot, but Nature Boy catches his rope so Fujinami hits an Insiguri for another flare flop. A back body drop and a clothesline by Tatsumi for a two count. Flare starts firing back with chops, right hands, but Fujinami fights back, knocking him down. Irish whip for another flare flip, but he doesn't make it over, so he lands in a tree of woe. So Tatsumi fires away with stops. Yeah, you could tell that like Ric Flair set this it was not the smoothest uh transition into the tree of woe but it doesn't matter it's okay nash goes for a vertical suplex but fujinami floats over goes for an o'connor roll for a near fall 
back suplex by Tatsumi, goes for the cover, for the pin, and no, no Flair gets his foot on the ropes. The two men roll out to the floor and start brawling around ringside. Nature Boy rolls back in, followed by Fujinami and the ref, when Flair goes for a forearm, but Tatsumi ducks, and the ref is down. Oh my god, you mean Bill Alfonso. Fujinami cradles Natch, but no ref for the count. Flair goes for a hip toss, and Tatsumi reverses into a backslide, but still no ref. Nature Boy goes for a body slam, another cradle by Fujinami, still no count. I love that Fujinami, like, gets the pin on him, like... Multiple times. Yeah, yeah, like three or four times. Flair, with an eye rake, starts running the ropes, but Tatsumi back body drops him over the top rope to the floor, right where the ref is being helped at. See, that's the... uh... Other thing, it's like, oh, over the top rope. So it should have been disqualified at that point. Should it have been? I mean, I don't think so because I think that rule is bullshit. But it is what it is. Natch is back on the apron, is brought back in with a vertical suplex by Fujinami, goes for a guillotine pin. Tiger, Tiger Hattori's Hattori. rolled into the ring and makes the count for the pin. And, and the win. win. And new. Post-match, Flair is arguing with the original ref, Bill Alfonso. Fujinami's lifted up on the shoulders of some of the young lions and is presented a trophy. Hell yeah, he earned it. And Tony tells us that Alfonso was pointing to himself as he walked back to the ringside. Or walked back to the locker room. Yeah, yeah. Pointing to himself? Yeah, he was like, like, I was was the ref. I got you. We then go to JR. He's in the press conference room. And we get Sting, who's very mad and wants a rematch with Muda. He never expected a full, f- a face full of mist. And this isn't, isn't great competition. It's honestly probably one of the better Sting promos we've got. I think it's because he's visibly not on cocaine. <laughs> and then JR's talking about Alfonso not having made the count in the main event and Flair being tossed over the top rope. So Nature Boy storms into Fujinami's press conference yelling... He steals the world yeah, title. Yeah, he rips it from his hands. He's like, nah, this is mine. And as he's running off, Tony all of a sudden is in the shot where he's not supposed to be. <laughs> and JR walks up that. to Tats- Tatsumi, who, if he understands English. And Fujinami says, I got one, two, three. I am winner. He was. And then the logo comes on the screen as the video ends. So, the main event was presented... Very differently in the two countries. First, it was the NWA World Heavyweight Championship on the line, not the WCW, even though they're considered the same same belt in the United States. Okay. Yeah. Second of all, JR and Tony said that the IWGP title was on the line, but no mention of what that was ever made by the ring announcer to the crowd in Japan. The title change, third, was ignored in the United States. Yeah. Claiming Fujinami had been disqualified for throwing Flair over the ropes. (laughs) While in Japan, Tatsumi became the NWA world champion. So the title change was never recognized by WCW. And only recently has been recognized by WWE when they were adding up Flair's all his oh, yeah. world championship reigns, basically. They did it to give him another one, basically. <laughs> so, those huge differences 
Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. Uh, spoiler alert, we're going to get a rematch. Ye- I mean, I hope so. To reunite, to reunite the titles, reunite the titles basically. Yeah, yeah. That's all fun. It's funny, I mean, it's kind of great that they both went over in their respective countries and still had a great match. We'll see what we think about that match. <laughs> but give us your overall thoughts of the entire WCW New Japan Super Show. Like I said, all the good stuff is good, and all the bad stuff is short, and you see a lot of talented people do a lot of fun of things. some of the good stuff is short. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, some of the good stuff is short. But you can... I would say you could skip the dark matches, but some of the dark matches I don't feel that way about. Uh, well, they're not dark matches. Sorry. They were just matches. They were if not, you look, If yeah. you look at Wikipedia, it says, it says some of the matches match. are dark. They're not but dark. But the matches that are on the Japanese version. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Whole, whole show, good time. Would suggest. Uh, agree completely. If you've never watched Japanese wrestling, this is actually a really good starter video for it. The multi-man tags start off the show fast. Mm-hmm. We sprinkle in some junior heavyweights. Yep. Great tag team stuff, and finished off with three above-average matches. Oh, yeah. So, what we're saying is... Watch it. Find go, it. Watch go it. find this. Yeah. Watch it. It's very good. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So, what were your best moments of the evening? <sighs> the suplex city. Steiners and uh, Hiroshi Hase and uh, Kensuke Sasaki. Like, literally, they went from a super Olympic slam to a super belly-to-belly to a tiger drive. I was just like, I was like, my heart was just was like, like uh, falling in love <laughs> with the concept with of the, the suplex. Of this match, <laughs> yeah. just as it was happening. I was just like, oh my God. It's, so, funny thing is, is that, like, I did my notes on this one night, and then the next morning, I accidentally hit the wrong button on my computer and thought I lost my notes. Oh, really? For this match, and you're like, for, well, for, for that Steiner match, and like, I was well, like, "I'll watch that one again." Oh, that sucks. I was like, "But that well, means so I get like, to watch the match again." <laughs> yeah, it's like it really, truly is like, well, if I'm gonna lose the notes for any of these, that's the one to lose them for. Exactly. Outside of that, I mean, Muda Sting is like the is is the other the other like real big standout, standout right? Yeah, like because. I do feel Fujinami and Flair was an above-average match. Yeah. But I don't feel like it hit the level that you would think that those two guys should hit. Because there was... I think... It was, it was kind of like the Horseman, yeah. Horseman match where it just felt like maybe there was just a little bit of a disconnect. You could tell that Ric Flair was off. There was some stuff that, like, he didn't even hit. Like, visibly on camera. Yeah. Like, that he did not even hit. And good for the... For JR and Tony for not putting it over for him not hitting it. That was nice. Yeah, exactly. But like, there was some stuff where I was like, that was out of character for Nature Boy. But, I mean, still still a really good match. And I was, would highly, like, highly suggest the whole show. But like, that is by no means the worst thing on this show. Uh, it is one of the better things on the show. But it feels like there was like something missing. Liger, Nagami, four minutes yeah. that you will absolutely love. I would... I wish I liked. I'm gonna try to see if I can find it unedited because I would like to see. That would be the whole fun thing. to see unedited. Because yes. I like I I'm, I didn't catch that it was edited, but I felt like it was because he sells that leg like, you know, in four minutes you shouldn't be selling a leg like that. No, definitely not. Not unless you started the match hurt, and that's like part of the story. But 
I don't believe that it was. I don't believe it was either. How about most disappointing? We'll start with the Equalizer. Equalizer, easily the most disappointing. Big Cat that he just does absolutely nothing in that match. But, I mean, he's just there to put over Eligante. And the reason Equalizer gets the short end and Eligante doesn't is because Eligante is... It's a huge pop, and he's very happy about it, and I don't want to take away from uh, exactly. the man's happiness. It's like he's like on top of the world. It's like he's. It's I like mean, he just somebody just gave him the keys to Disneyland. I, I feel like because, spoiler alert: El Gigante shows up in WWF at some point, and I feel like this match right here, like that pop that he receives from Japan, it's probably is why. what gets him that contract. Yeah, because I'm like you can't tell. I mean, me. you can't tell me anybody gave a shit about him. In, in, we're, like any of the times we've seen him we saw him and then he was gone for a whole year because they attempted to train him and it still didn't take no. the man just is incapable of wrestling not everybody can do it or incapable I'm sorry but yeah it's, and here well you know he's way over and I was happy that he had to have, got to have a good time because you know he doesn't have a particularly successful career but he's still got one of the biggest pops in one of the biggest buildings that we've not that we've been in, but you know, of, of the shows we watched. So, Gigante, you get the pass. Big Cat, you're always going to get a pass. I know what you're there for. You're there to be a big guy and lose. That's rough. And then, Equalizer. I didn't know anything about you. I don't ever want to see you again. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to best performer of the night. I'm going Hiroshi Hase. Are you? Because even in a losing bout, he's the one who took the... <laughs> Super belly to belly, yeah. The Super Olympic Slam. He hits the Northern Light Suplex. Yeah, he's definitely the the workhorse. The workhorse of that tag team. It's hard to pick when all four of those guys bang it out. But I mean, you're not wrong for choosing him by any means. I was just like every time Hase was in there, I was just like, "This is this is my guy. This is my guy. <laughs> I want to see more Hiroshi Hase." Muda. Muda was great. Muda was great, and he was like, he, he just was a, he's always been intense when we've seen him in WCW, but here it's just a little more. He's on his home turf, there's a shitload of people watching, and he's like having a singles match. I actually thought the beginning of that match was weird. I mean, I get it that he would go for the pin like super quick. Well, I mean, he, he's done that when he's getting over in WCW. But not usually with like the bigger names that he faced, he usually just did it with. Yeah, yeah, when they were trying to get him people. over. Yeah. But here, he just wanted to get it over with. He's pumped up. Anything surprising on this show? I would say the... For the most part, all the people that should be winning in Japan won. Four Horsemen winning was kind of weird, but that I'm match so, was, was weird. I was surprised that that match was not as good as... Yeah, it was... As I was expected to be. It, I agree completely. It was... It was, it was, it was almost it, on the most disappointing... Yeah, not because it was the worst or anything, but just, just because, because it was like... It should be a good match, and yeah. it wasn't. It felt just like like it was lagging. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like you're playing a video game, and it like slows down in all the wrong spots. Even like Ric Flair and Fujinami not having like a great match. Yeah, I think that... It's kind of surprising. It, I'm, I'd be curious to see if they had their, matches their before or whatever. Is... Yeah, I, I assume that it'll... like If this is the beginning of a feud that happens then it's a great great start for that but i like hope that all it could do is add to to exactly. the next one being better because we know how that goes with flair if you have a trilogy with flair 
one of them's the best, and it doesn't always have to be the first one. That's true. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. After Antonio Inoki would defeat Johnny Powers in Japan, the NWF Heavyweight Championship would become the major title for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Inoki would hold the title for over a year until he was forced to vacate the title for refusing to face Tiger Jeet Singh in a defense. But a month later, the two men would face each other in Hiroshima at the Big Fight Series on March 13, 1975, where Singh would become champion. Tiger Jeet Singh, born April 3, 1944, in Punjab, India. He would immigrate to Canada, training in Toronto and making his debut in 1965. He would move up the card quickly, challenging for the NWA and WWWF championships within two years. In 1972, Singh would visit Japan and got into a brawl with Inoki in a shopping center. This would be the start of a major feud between the two men, including Inoki breaking Singh's arm in a match a year before the title win. Singh would hold the belt for over 100 days before a rematch in Tokyo with his greatest rival. I did not know that Tiger Jeet Singh had been around that long watching this match in 1991. I would like to see him in an actual wrestling match. And I might have to hit the old YouTubes later to see that because what we saw was in a wrestling ring. No, but it was a brawl. Definitely a brawler now yeah. to hide yeah. his I'm just curious. Lack yeah, of yeah. I mean, he didn't look particularly time. old. He also didn't look particularly in shape either. But uh, I'm just curious. You know, I assume that if he had all those opportunities, there was something going on outside of him just being, you know, a brawler and a foreign heel. Next week, Super Brawl One, WCW baby. This isn't a this isn't rename, right? What's the? No, the, uh, this, this that is was just Fall Brawl. Okay, so this isn't just an act. This is just super, the first it's Super a, Brawl. It's a new Super Brawl. A new pay per view. As, as WCW moves closer and closer to pay per view every month. Super Super Brawl One, it is. Super Brawl, it is. I think we'll. I think the main event's a rematch from this show as well. So is it? I, I bet I'm going to go with yes. It is, is. It, uh, is it Fujinami? Yeah, Fujinami and Flair, I Ooh. believe, are the main event. Ooh. But on American soil, so. All right. I bet there won't be 64,000 people. Yeah, there definitely <laughs> won't be 64,000 people. <laughs> but the music from this week's show is the theme for Super Show 1. And I wasn't able to find Tatsumi Fujinami's actual theme music that he used for this show. Yeah. But I found the best th- the best one that I could find and it's called Super Dragon. So right now. You're hearing it right now. Super Dragon. It's a pretty good song. I like it. I haven't heard it yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going right to listen right now. listen back. Yeah. It's in the air. You can always rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play or wherever you find your podcasts at. Give us those five stars or no stars. Leave us a review. Let everyone else know how you feel about our show. You can always email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, just whatever you want to talk about. If you want to correct us on something, we'll take this one. I'm sure you can correct every Japanese name this Exactly. Just make sure you give me phonetically spelled <laughs> things and I'll try and do better next time. You can always also hit us up on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling. H-I-S-T-O-X. Talk to you next week.